The Indian River School District experienced a changing of the guard at its administrative office in Selbyville last summer. On June 30th, Mark Steele retired as district superintendent after 39 years of dedicated service to the district as a teacher and administrator. Dr. Jay Owens, who had been assistant superintendent for the previous two years, was immediately promoted to the superintendent's position. Dr. Owens has more than 20 years of experience with the district as a teacher, assistant principal, principal, and central office administrator. He is also a product of the Indian River School District, having graduated from Sussex Central High School in 1996. Next, the district launched a search for a new assistant superintendent. Mrs. Karen Blannard was selected to fill that post, and she joined the central office staff in early August. Mrs. Blannard comes to the Indian River School District after spending more than 30 years as a teacher and administrator with the Baltimore County Public School System in Maryland. Dr. Owens and Mrs. Blannard hit the ground running in their new positions as the district spent most of the summer formulating plans to reopen schools in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. The challenges that they and the rest of the administrative staff faced were immense. I'm Dave Mall, and I recently had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Owens and Mrs. Blannard to discuss their careers, their philosophies on education, and their vision for the Indian River School District. First up is my conversation with Superintendent Dr. Jay Owens, which you'll hear right after the break. This is the IRSD Spotlight. Okay, Jay, first of all, congratulations on being the seventh superintendent of the Indian River School District. Are you excited about it? Thanks, Dave. Uh, uh, it's a tremendous honor and, uh, you know, a privilege to be part of this district for, uh, I've been with the district for, for quite some time now, and to to be in this position is uh, is humbling, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm overexcited to take the district to, to the next level. Well, as I said, you are the seventh superintendent of the Indian River School District since its uh, formation in 1969, which is a 51-year period. There's not a lot of people in 51 years, and that group includes some very gifted educators. How does it feel to be in such select company? <laughs> yeah, as I said, it, it, it's certainly humbling. I've I've had an opportunity to work with uh, Mr. Mark Steer here the last uh, few years, and prior to that, Dr. Susan Bunning, who is now our, our State Secretary of Education. Prior to that, um, Mrs. Lois Hobbs. So working with those individuals has been uh, a, a wonderful learning experience, and, and they've given me lots of of insight and, and wisdom from their time in the superintendent seat, which has been helpful just in the last couple months. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Now, I want to I want to just tell our listeners, your father was Jack Owens, who came to Delaware in 1967 and basically founded the Georgetown campus of Delaware Technical and Community College. 
and that campus is now named after him. That's right. And uh, given his accomplishments, too, in Sussex County and in the state of Delaware, is it also special for you to reach such a high position here with the Indian River School District, given your father's accomplishments? Right. Growing up as a, as a kid and walking that campus with my dad and, and seeing his leadership skills and abilities on display, I think maybe helped to shape me over the years. And there was always a high standard uh, that was uh, given to me and, and my siblings to uh, to do the best you always can and to, to strive for greatness. And, and, and one of the things that my dad would always say is, you know, a lot of things can be taken away from you in life, but education is not one of them. And having a strong educational foundation is something that you will have forever. And that lives with me every day while I'm here at, at Indian River. And I know how valuable and education is and how important it is for us to um, serve our students in our community. And, um, you know, I, I think that that uh, that came through with, with my dad growing up as a kid. Do you ever think how amazing it is? He, he came in and, and basically founded the Georgetown campus. But when you look at what Dell Tech is today, across the state of Delaware, there's campuses in all three counties, and it's, it's really grown to an, an amazing facility. Does that, I mean, do you think about that, too, about just what, your father's impact on what Dell Tech has become overall in the state? Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable the the, the footprint that has been created, and it's pretty exciting. and And I was able to to uh, be a part of that as well, and you know, attending master's classes on the campus there in Georgetown, and being able to extend my education and and understanding that uh, many of the teachers within our school district uh, receive their education and uh, higher education from uh, the, the campus there, and, and uh, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. Now, you are a 1996 graduate of Sussex Central High School, so you're a product of the Indian River That's right, district. yes. How special is that for you to be having graduated from this district and now you're running this district, basically? It, it's, it's amazing. I felt a strong sense of pride as I walked the halls of Sussex Central as a, as a student, and now it's, a, it's the same but a different sense of pride as I walk not only Sussex Central but our, our other schools here. And um, it's, uh, I know what this district is capable of and I know we certainly are a model of excellence. And um, I, I just, it's, it's humbling again to, to be a product of, of the great district and to now be uh, in charge. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous honor. Yeah. Um, you started with the Indian River School District in the year 2000, I believe it was, That's right, and yes. you were you were a special education teacher for about six years. You were at uh, North Georgetown Elementary and uh, the Richard Allen School. In yeah. fact, I first met you when you were the teacher of the year at the Richard Allen School when I had to come in your classroom. Right. I think it was two years in a row and take photos of you for the presentation. And um, one thing that, that I do find interesting is your special education background. Was that something that you, as far as education goes, your career in education, was that something you wanted to focus on from the beginning, or how did that come about? That was that was an evolution over time. So, you know, going into to education at Salisbury University uh, with my bachelor's, and, and I knew that uh, I wanted to, to, to differentiate my myself from others. So it kind of evolved. I knew that I wanted to continue my my bachelor's and to receive my master's and there was a program at Wilmington University there on the Georgetown campus that uh, was very well respected so I, I moved into that arena and that's kind of where and my first job was 
special education. So um, it, it was it was an evolution over time, but uh, something that I'm really proud of, and, and I'm glad that I've had those experiences over time because I think they they help to shape the, your outlook on on students in general and the practice of teaching. I wanted to ask you about teaching at the Richard Allen School too, because I, um, as that facility at the time was for uh, students that have had behavioral issues in their in their home schools. And I can't think of a more challenging environment. I, I would say Richard Allen and maybe the Howard Tiena School. Right. Um, th those are very challenging environments to teach in. What was that experience like for you as far as the Richard Allen School was concerned? You, you know, every classroom has its challenges. So some of the biggest challenges while I was, I was teaching you know, as a first, second, third year teacher with students that had some, some severe needs uh, is, is trying to meet students at their level. You know, you each individual student is, is, is special and you need to try to find the ways to connect with those students and to, to help them to learn uh, as best they can. So the challenge was every day trying to, to uh, adapt to the needs of the students, but that's no different than any classroom that we have here within our district. Uh, you know, we want our teachers to build relationships and connect with every student within their, their classroom. That's one of my big three R's, rigor, relevance, and relationships. And relationships probably should be tops on that list when you can connect and inspire kids. It's funny how they'll, they'll begin to learn for you. And uh, that it starts with that relationship piece. Same with Howard Tiennes. Uh, my first administrative experience was at uh, as an assistant principal at the Howard Tiennes School. And um, again, very, uh, very unique needs for uh, the students within that school. And it, again, it's about connecting, finding the needs of the student, and, and meeting them where they are to help them to learn. I'm glad you mentioned that because eventually you moved into administration. And administration-wise, you've held a, a variety of positions from the school district. Like you mentioned, assistant principal, you went on to become a principal. You were here at the district office in a number of capacities. I believe you were the director of student services for a while. You were the director of special services, eventually becoming assistant superintendent. So was moving into administration one of your long-term goals when you got into education, or was that something that you, after you got into it, you decided, I think I want to try that, or how did that come about? Not initially, um, yeah. but after a few years of teaching, and I had some, some great mentors one of which is Jim Hudson, who was my principal at North Georgetown, and he he really was a, an inspiration to me. And um, I saw his leadership style and ability, and and with that leadership, you can you can transform a school, you can uh, your ability to lead people, and then to uh, subsequently uh, positively impact students. That uh, having him as as a role model kind of helped to lead me into into administration. Uh, it was a little sooner than I had anticipated. Uh, there was an opportunity there, as I, as I talked about, at Howard Tiennes. So, um, you know, I did take advantage of that opportunity, um, but uh, it was a little more, more quick than I had originally anticipated. Did you ever envision ending up as superintendent? No. It, it, within the last uh, couple years, with working with Mr. Steele uh, very closely, you know, we had some good discussions about the future and the possibilities, but um, it wasn't uh, on my radar until to, until recently here, the last few years. I did want to talk to you for just a minute about, about Mark Steele. Um, his retirement came in the middle of the summer, June 30th, amongst uh, many other issues going on, and I, I feel like we, we maybe weren't able to give him a proper send off. And can you just talk about Mark and his impact on you and on a larger scale, his impact on the school district? 
right? So he, he's been with this district for a long time. His knowledge and wisdom that he, he passed along to me every day is, has been invaluable. So it's each day, typically at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, we, we get together and, and, and strategize about um, the day and the week and the month. Uh, and, and that was really helpful to me and helped to uh, show me and teach me how to run the district. Um, and and he, he's been a, a tremendous person to work with and work for. And I, um, I still talk to him regularly uh, <laughs> about, uh, you know, what's going on in the district and decisions that need to be made. So he's been um, just a, a wonderful friend for, for a long time now. So you, you took over the superintendent's job on July 1st and you hit the door running. What has it been like? Because I can't imagine the myriad issues you've dealt with since, uh, since you took over right, right up until this point. So can you even describe what it's been like since you've been the superintendent? It's certainly been a, a tornado here for, <laughs> for the last couple months. But, the, you know, the job has to get done, and we, we need to stay uh, the course with being able to provide the, the uh, top-notch educational experience for our students, but um, it's the role has obviously shifted. I mean, we 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 needed to look at things far differently than we had before. Uh, our operating procedures, our staffing procedures, certainly our busing and instruction. So uh, it's it's things that you would normally be doing at this time of the year when you know students are in, you know, sports are occurring, after school activities, you know, clubs. Those types of things, you know, they they've all paused for the most part, and you're 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 looking at things at more of an operational managerial perspective. So, uh, I am excited now to to that students are back in that we can shift our focus back to instruction and and really providing great services to our students. And and the other important thing is that we have since hired a new assistant superintendent, Karen Blanner, and she started in August and we're going to talk to her in a little while. But overall, I know that's been a big help also and she hit the door running also. What's what's been your impressions of her so far? Yeah, she's she's been tremendous. I, I mean, she's she brings a lot of experience from from Baltimore County Schools. Uh, 10 years as, a, as an assistant superintendent there. So it's amazing to see how quickly she's been able to come in and, and learn our system just really within a matter of, of a month or so. Uh, the system and the staff and, and has really brought a wealth of, of wisdom to us and different experiences that we've been able to infuse into what we're doing now. And it was much needed. I mean, we, we knew right now we needed to look at things differently and she's helped us to do that. Thinking long term, what are you most looking forward to in the future as superintendent? I, I want to the district to can continue to remain at the top of the state. And when people think of Indian River School District, they think of a model of excellence. And I want that to continue. And for that to continue, we, we need to stay at the forefront of opportun- educational opportunities. We need to be progressive in, in the way that we are responding to the needs of our students. We need to ensure that our, our teaching staff is well prepared and equipped um, through professional development, through technologies, just general understanding of uh, how to connect with our, our, our students. So if we can continue to do that, I know that we will we'll stay at the forefront uh, of the state. Uh, that said, we, we are looking at a, uh, a strategic plan that will help guide us in not only the short term, but five, ten years and more from now. We've got two capital projects that are occurring 
simultaneously in the form of Howard T. Ennis and the new Sussex Central High School. And so those uh, projects will help to keep us you know, ahead of the game. We want to make sure our facilities are, are top-notch for our students. And you know, with the growth in our area in Indian River, it's important for us to uh, monitor our data in, in, in terms of the number of students that are, are enrolling in our school and to, to keep pace with that with our facilities. So that strategic plan will help us to do that. And Howard Tien is just to update our listeners too. We're, uh, we're moving forward with that. That project is going to break ground hopefully in November. That's right. And then the new Sussex Central High School, we're in the planning phases of that. So that groundbreaking will probably be in about another year or so? I, I believe so, yes. Um, yeah. So it, it's excited. We we're getting committees together now, um, and we've had committees together for uh, Howard Tienis, but uh, we'll be developing some planning and strategizing groups for the new Sussex Central High School. Very, very exciting time uh, in this district right now. I can't wait to see those new buildings. They're going to yeah. be they're going to be terrific. And before we wrap it up, Jay, just uh, is there anything you want to say about maybe your goals or vision for the school district moving forward as, as superintendent? Continue to advance. You know, we 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 have a tremendous group of individuals here that collectively work for the betterment of students. And, you know, I, I look at my role as the superintendent to uh, provide that motivation, support, guidance for them to ensure that they're, they're reaching their full potential and, and finding ways to ensure that our district is a top-notch institution for learning. Well, Jay, again, congratulations, and thank you for taking time out to talk to us today out of your extremely busy schedule. And again, congratulations and thank you. Thanks, Dave. Up next is Karen Blannard, who I recently sat down with to discuss her lengthy career in Baltimore County and this new chapter of her life as IRSD Assistant Superintendent. We'll talk with Karen right after this short break. Uh, Karen Blannard and Karen welcome to the Indian River School District. Thank you. Um, you started in the first week of August so you pretty much had to hit the ground running getting ready to try to open schools amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you describe what your first couple of months with us has been like? Sure um, so it was actually a great experience in hindsight because we were figuring out the reopening plan. So the committee had done a lot of work on it, had a lot of conversations, and then our task was to put it all in a document that families and teachers and community members could understand. So it was, um, it was a long process. It took a lot of hours well beyond the workday, but the team really pulled together. And it was a great way for me to kind of be part of something that we were about to do together as a district. So it really made me feel welcome and allowed me to just jump in and get to know folks and just see the level of work and commitment that happened all summer long to prepare for this. And a tremendous amount of work did go yeah, into that. Just absolutely. tremendous. Um, mm -hmm. I know even though um, you've been, um, you spent almost all of your educational career in Baltimore County, you're familiar with Delaware, however, correct? Well, I, I guess I'll say mildly familiar. So about five years ago, my husband and I purchased a vacation home here in Selbyville, close to Fenwick Island. And um, 
we came summer weekends, fall weekends, just love being at the beach. And, but we always had company. Mm -hmm. So we did all the touristy things, but never really got to know Delaware and the community. So now that I'm here full time, it's really been exciting to get out to the schools and see the different communities. And I'm really kind of eager to understand how the communities all work and um, what are some of those hidden gems in Delaware that I know nothing about right now <laughs> that I hopefully will learn from my um, my new colleagues and friends mm -hmm. in the district. I guess one positive is that from what I understand your daily commute has gotten much shorter. Uh, yes, so I, <laughs> I used to spend about an hour and a half one way on the Baltimore Beltway uh, it was probably a 25-mile drive that took much longer because of traffic, and now my commute is 12 and a half minutes. So I'm absolutely loving that, and it's a beautiful drive too, um, which is very different than sitting on a, a beltway with you know bumper to bumper traffic. You spent, I think it was 34 years uh, in Baltimore County. You were a teacher, assistant principal, a principal, assistant superintendent. Was it difficult to leave after spending? Um, that amount of time in one in for working for one school district yeah it really it was a a really big decision because i had um i i grew up in a small town in wilkesbury pennsylvania where i was born and raised went to college but couldn't find a teaching job and so i left for the big city of baltimore and it ended up being a really lucrative career for me so you know i met a lot of folks and it became my new work family because my entire family stayed in Pennsylvania, so I didn't have any family in Baltimore, but just really got to know people throughout the years, started there as a teacher and then worked in administration and did some work at the State Department. So it was difficult to leave, but at the same time, those friendships and those relationships will continue. And the nice thing is you're two hours away and you know through social media, um, and phone calls, you have a chance to keep in touch. So it was a tough decision, but I felt like the time was right in my career to really um, start something new and hopefully make a difference for the students and families here. So it was like a new, almost like taking on a new challenge. Basically. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yes. Um, now you were actually an assistant superintendent at Baltimore County for I think it was about the last 10 years you Correct. were there. What were some of your duties and responsibilities in that position? So we were a really big district. We had 170 schools and so there were six to eight assistant superintendents at any given time. Um, during my tenure in that role, I really worked with the lowest performing schools. So I was always kind of assigned to that um, quarter of schools and it was really based on leadership development and school turnaround work. So we did a lot of work with our principals and our assistant principals through training programs. We had a lot of succession initiatives that we built to really kind of increase our pipeline of leaders. And then we did a lot of work around instructional leadership. So knowing that school turnaround work is about getting the systems and structures in place for the school and community to thrive, but then also improving the quality of teaching and learning so that you're seeing outcomes for students that you serve and thinking about different specialized populations. So, you know, our challenges were very similar to our challenges here. We saw gaps with students receiving special education services. We saw gaps with our um, English language learners. So really trying to think strategically around what supports look like for those underserved student populations. Well, I did, I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to ask you about it because in looking at one of your areas of expertise is actually leadership development. So you sounded like you worked very closely with other principals 
Uh, was it a matter of, of, of training them on, on best practices, or what were, what were the, some of the things that you would work with them on as far as you know school leadership is concerned? Yeah, we did we did a lot of work around standards based instruction, so really building their knowledge of the standards, so that when they would visit classrooms, they would have that in depth knowledge to be able to give their teachers really good feedback. We did a lot of work around an instructional framework. So what does it look like to see an effective lesson play out in a classroom? So doing some coaching for principals around that. We conducted a lot of learning walks together. We looked at um, data structures, PLC structures, very similar to what we're doing here in Indian River, but it was very concentrated school improvement work. So most of my time was spent in buildings really working on improving instructional practices. Still had the operational things, you know, facilities, transportation, all of those things that go into the job. But what we really did try to center on was this idea of instructional cohesiveness and improvement in a very strategic way to really build outcomes for students over the course of time. Was a lot of it uh, sort of teaching the principals to recognize good instruction or recognizing instruction improvements that needed to be made in certain areas? Would a lot of, was a lot of that just making them aware of what to look for? Yes, so yeah. we, um, we did a lot of work around instructional look for's for various content areas. We had a framework for um, lesson development and lesson implementation. And then we did a lot of debriefing after visits. So we would come back together and talk about, you know, what were the highlights of the lesson? What were some areas for improvement? How would you give feedback to that teacher so that you're lifting them up and continually building their craft? Because school improvement is about mobilizing everyone to ensure high quality teaching and learning. And so it became really important to collaborate with principals across schools to share effective practices and then to be able to mobilize that back in the building. So um, we probably spent, I would say, two to three days a week together on learning walks, really immersed in the instructional improvement and had a lot of dialogues with teachers too because their voice matters. Like they're on the front line, so telling us what's working, what's not working, using their voice to shape our curriculum and our implementation timelines was beneficial as well. Yeah, You're coming to Delaware, which runs its school systems completely different from Maryland. <laughs> Maryland has a, a county school system that I, I don't think they could be more different, um, the way that they're run, the way that they're funded. Have you noticed that difference and how, how hard has that been to kind of get used to? <laughs> yeah, so um, this is funny, but the biggest um, challenge for me has been the acronyms. I have to keep saying to everyone, <laughs> what, what is that again? Yeah. And um, Because, you know, you just get used to it after your time yeah, in one yeah. place. But what I will say is even though the platforms are different, the technology platforms and some of the portals that we use for our resources, much of the work is comparable so when I look at the PLCs here, the learning walks that occur, the instructional frameworks that we're pushing out to teachers, very comparable to Maryland. Even when you look at the evaluation system for teachers and principals, very similar. We're using the Danielson domains, we're using the um, PCELs for our leaders. So there's a lot of similarities, it's just the different structures and systems are what takes time to get to know but the work is very similar. And you know the, the, the push for standards-based instruction, 
the push for use of data to inform instruction and then you know the MTSS and the targeted interventions that we provide for students very comparable when you look at you know a comprehensive picture of what true school improvement looks like it's funny you bring up that acronym thing <laughs> years ago in the district office there was a sort of a I'll call it a cheat sheet listing all the acronyms and what they meant what happened to it, I don't know. I haven't seen it for years. You're going to have but to find that cheat sheet for me. Because <laughs> I know we need to get it out and update it. <laughs> um, one of the more interesting things in your background was that you were actually on loan for a few years to the Maryland State Department of Education. Talk a little bit about that assignment. What did that involve? So, um, so it was a former supervisor of mine had moved over to the State Department to do some school turnaround work. And they were forming a new team and and the role was to provide staff specialists that would go into the lowest performing schools across the state and so what we did was we hired a team of experts in ela and mathematics we trained them and then we actually went into buildings and did a lot of collaborative planning with school administrators and grade level teams or content area teams to just really dig into the standards and to build teacher capacity around high quality instruction and then once we planned the lessons with them we would actually go in and co-teach with them and we would implement the lessons we'd look at the formative assessment data afterwards to see if it made a difference and an impact on learning and then we looked at our benchmark assessments through the school improvement efforts to see if the instructional focus was yielding the results that we had hoped for and we saw some incredible gains and I attribute it all to collaborative planning because teachers came together, we built one another's knowledge and depth of the standards, but then we built out lessons from start to finish and almost did like a lesson study approach where we could see what was the benefit with student learning and was that something that would be a model that we could push out across the school. So it truly was a very focused approach that our school leaders loved because it just allowed time for teachers to come together and improve their craft. So the so I was going to ask you that later on. So basically, collaboration among among teachers uh, yes. was pretty much the key. Because I know in a lot of your assignments, you you had mentioned that you know we improve test scores here and here mm -hmm. and here, and that seems to be like you know you being an expert on school improvement. So that's the one thing you can point to then that is collaborative work it, like that. It, it's huge um, yeah. because the work of a teacher is so difficult. I mean, they're 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 juggling a million things in a day. And so giving them that devoted time to really think about innovative lessons that will excite kids, that will promote collaboration and problem solving skills. And some of those, some of those skills that we wanna have in the workplace just really excited students. And at the same time, we were building cohesiveness across a school with what high quality instruction looks like. So it was really powerful, but the key was time for teachers to collaborate and come together and really build their instructional knowledge. How satisfying is it when you when you go in and, and turn a school around or see a school improve its test scores and, and things like that? How satisfying is that to you as someone who's right on the front lines of that? It's it, it's incredibly satisfying and um, but what I have to say is I could never take the credit for that work. Mm -hmm. It's the teacher sitting in those seats that are on the front lines. 
they are the ones making the difference in outcomes for kids. What we all do behind the scenes is support them. We create the structure for them to be able to build a great lesson. We create the space and organize an agenda so they can come together and have a productive use of their time. But at the end of the day, they're the heroes in the work because they're in front of students making a difference and really building student knowledge and closing gaps along the way too because you know a lot of students come in with some gaps in learning so how do we use our data all the time and and formative data like just very informal assessments to figure out what are some of those gaps and then how do we come together to think about ways to close them so that we're kind of building that vertical strength for students as they progress from elementary to middle to high school yeah is there anything that you're most looking forward to here at Indian River? Yeah, so you know, um, I've been able to be out in the school. I think I've been to all of the schools two to three times now. And for me, that is where the rubber meets the road. And so what I'm really pushing at IREC, where we all work centrally, is this service model to schools. So we all work to support them. But being out in the buildings and being part of the conversations with teachers and with principals around what's working well, what do they need shifted in the curriculum, what do they need shifted with assessments, what do they need taken off their plate to be able to manage the myriad of responsibilities, that excites me because true school improvement is about that collective work that we all do together, keeping in mind that everything happens in the schoolhouse. So that's where we need to spend our time assessing and hearing the voice of our teachers, hearing our community members, hearing what our parents are having to say about remote and hybrid instruction, and continually improving and doing better. We've done a pretty good job, in my opinion, so far with the remote hybrid model. We've had a, a few little hiccups, but overall, I think things have gone pretty, pretty good so far. We're going to be rolling some more kids into the hybrid model in the next couple of weeks. What's your overall opinion so far on how it's worked? I'll tell you, I've been really impressed with the commitment of our principals, assistant principals, teacher leaders, and our teachers. So our instructional coaches did a phenomenal job before school started to build capacity. I think it was really smart of us to hold back the opening for a small period of time to make sure our teachers had what they needed. And in talking to teachers, they talked about how much they appreciated that time to learn the different online portals, to you know think about the um, focus standards for the first marking period, what that was gonna look like, collaborate with their peers. So I think we got it right with teacher professional development. And when we visited schools, when Dr. Owens and I visited right before students returned, teachers were ready, they were calm, they were focused, they felt like they had a handle on it. And so I think that really supported us. And then I do believe the professional development that's ongoing through the PLC work is critically important because we're learning that we have to shift things. So we recently heard from teachers that some of the standard focus was a little too broad. We had to narrow that in, keeping in mind our hybrid and our remote instructional learning and what that looks like. So I think it's been really powerful to have teachers voice at the table in all of this to make shifts and adjustments that are in the best interest of students. 
Indian River uh, in the in the state of Delaware is a pretty large school district, but compared to the district in Baltimore County <laughs> you just came from, there's really no comparison. Is it? Have you noticed a difference being in basically a smaller school district in any way uh, compared to you know? Like you said, there were 170 schools in Baltimore County. Have you noticed yeah. a significant difference just from your work? Well, I've noticed two huge differences. So the first one is that the people are much more connected in a small district. And so you feel like you get to know everyone much more quickly than you do in a large district. So that's been really nice for me as the new person coming on board. I've just met so many incredible people and that's what's really impressed me about Indian River is that everyone is positive, willing to give it their best shot. You know, when they're stressed and they're frustrated, they collaborate and they talk about it and lift one another up. That's been huge. And then the other thing that I really noticed is you don't have the layers of bureaucracy <laughs> when you're in a small district. So when I was in a larger system and even at the State Department, there were many layers you had to go through to get something off the ground. And so when you work in a smaller setting, you don't have to fight those layers because there are fewer people mm -hmm. in those positions. So you're able to make decisions much more quickly and you're able to kind of keep a pulse on what's happening in the schools because you can get to them more frequently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we, before we wrap it up, I'm gonna ask you a question that I love to ask people. You've spent 30, 35 years in education, obviously you've been a teacher, everything. Basically education's been your life, but was there ever a period in your life where you, thought about doing something else. Yeah, so it's funny you ask, um, never, ever. <laughs> so <laughs> from the time I was five, I would play school and you know, I'd be in front of a mirror with my dolls and carrying on. So I knew it from a very young age and after I left teaching to be an assistant principal and a principal, I learned so much in those roles and often thought if I ever did go back to the classroom, I'd be so much more effective because of what I've learned from other teachers that I've watched through yeah. my leadership roles. Yeah. And so it's always been my passion, it's always been my love. I, I have such a, a, a love for children and working with families in the community and being able to kind of be out there and understanding their challenges and what supports they need and what's working for them has just been a passion my entire life. So I, I'm grateful for the opportunities that I've had. I'm grateful to be here and just so excited to just dig into the work and be part of something great in Indian River. Yeah. Karen, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your schedule to talk to us and uh, it's been great having you here and good luck with everything. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and we are going to do some great work this year in Indian River. It's already happening, so thank you, Dave. I want to thank Dr. Owens and Mrs. Blanard for taking time out of their extremely busy schedules to speak with me and share their experiences with our listeners. I can attest that both, along with the rest of our administrative staff, have worked tirelessly during these difficult times to provide students with the best possible instructional and support services. Parents can rest assured that their children are in good hands. IRSD Spotlight is produced by the Indian River School District. Episodes can be accessed through iTunes or by visiting irsd.net and going to the podcast link under the Discover IRSD tab. 
It is also available through several mobile podcast apps by searching IRSD. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with more great news and information from the Indian River School District. Until then, remember that Indian River truly is a model of excellence.